we grow from it. And if we keep doing that and growing progressively by sacrificing, by giving, suddenly we'll start to run and we won't calculate that I should give. We just become, it's become second nature to become a giver, become a lover, and so forth. And so this, this has a corresponding response from the absolute that constitutes an intimate kind of rapport that otherwise would not be arrived at. And it's a very, again, it's a very, um, theistically speaking, it's a very revolutionary idea. It's a very, like, you can't do that kind of, you know. Some people in the religious world will say, you can't, like, with God like that, like, slap him on the back, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and then there are people who say, why not? Hmm. And, and, and so the... There are people like, like, like I'm a guru, you know, so here we see I'm about six inches above everybody else, you know, so, and I got this stake in a different color, and so there's this difference. And I have students, and they like me, and so forth. But some of them, they just like, they just like, they just like, come right in. Hmm? They want to know me, everything about me, and so forth. And so I feel like, <laughs> I like that, you know. It's a, it's a, uh, and so, and they can find out things about me. Hmm? I can share my, you know, so many things with them. Hmm? It's so, so it's a, this rag bhakti is kind of a bold, you know, it takes a little bit of a bold person, so to speak. <laughs> it's like, again, who cares for religion? Hmm? That is getting in the way of, I'm, I don't mean to give up God, but I, I feel like religion is getting in the way of knowing God. Hmm? I would like something less, less formal. Hmm? After all, not God in my source, right? Like I, I, <laughs> I was very different amongst my guru's disciples in, in some respects because, you know, he had a large mission and 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 he would go in the morning, wherever he was, he would go on a, on a walk, you know, maybe half an hour, forty minutes for for a walk. He was elderly, and it was like a form of exercise, and so students would go with him, and there would be some discussions and and so forth. It was a big group, and so there was a there was a, a group who had been made like as an administrative body to organize the mission in different ways and, and so forth. So they would make this announcement in the morning that uh, Prabhupada, Guru Maharaj, will be going on the walk and no one can go on the walk except, you know, these certain people who are like the close administrative type of people and so forth. And, you know, it was practical. Hmm? But I just couldn't listen to that, you know, so I just went anyway. Hmm? And they'd all look at me like, you're not supposed to be here. But Prabhupada would always look at me like, well, what are you doing here? And he would ask me questions and so forth. And and Because uh, uh, I was always in touch with p- the common people, if you will. I feel a commoner myself. And, and talking to them and he- hearing. I always thought that to teach people would be best to listen to people. Hmm? So he would ask me, what are they saying? Hmm? What are they saying to people? And I said, well, they say this. And he would give me answers and so forth. So he always, I, f- I found him always to be very, you know, if, if you were like that, then you could, you know, know him on those those terms. Hmm? You know, I hold this, I gave a whole explanation of this this morning. This is a staff renunciation. I gave a whole technical explanation because somebody asked me about it. But there's a whole other story behind that, too. Because those who had the staff like this, they were more free to go and interact and, and, and to see our, our Guru Maharaj, and they could go in the room and say, you know, because they were who they were. Anyway, they were uh, sannyasins and little teachers within the, within, the, within the group and so forth. So 
I told her, I want to take some acid because I don't want to be bothered by these other people who keep telling me I can't come in your room. <laughs> I just want to come in, you know. So, and he gave me this and yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of a ruse in a sense, you know. It's 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 uh, it's a <clears throat> you don't. <clears throat> well, that was explained this morning. It's it's it, it's uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's an austerity. It's considered to be an austerity. And it's uh, it's uh, to remind one. It's made of certain uh, bamboo um, rods and so forth, a number of them, and they, they symbolize the idea that one's body, one's mind, and some word, words should only be used in the service of Krishna. Hmm? And so you, you carry it as like a, as a dunda, which means a, like a rod of chastisement, so to speak. So you you you, you chastise in a sense, or you you make chaste. Your, your your mind, your body, and words only to the service of Krishna. Something like that. So to remind us of that. So, in the, you know, into the public place, you got the stick. It's hard to act otherwise. You know, people say, "What do you got the stick for?" And then you got to say, "Well, this is why I got the stick." <laughs> so are you throwing it outside No, no, I haven't actually. It's very rarely asked. So <laughs> this is not a problem. Hmm? So, anyway, the Gita is about like this. This I very. If you look carefully at it, it's this very bold idea. That you could that religion is getting in the way of of, of knowing God, and there, there, there must be some we could get in, get inside closer. What what makes him tick? What what or what what? And him it means him is it's a duad actually because Krishna and Bhakti are one. Bhakti is feminine, of course, and Krishna is masculine. And there's no Krishna without Bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti and Bhakti is fully personified in the person of Radha. So there's no there's no meaning to Krishna, really, the full sense of the term Krishna without Radha. There's no meaning to Krishna without Radha. Some manifestation of Radha must always be there for there to be a Krishna standing. Hmm? I mean, to, in a very basic sense, it's it's like the idea there's no meaning to a teacher without students. I can say I'm a teacher, but <laughs> I don't have any students. It's like meaningless. So, so there's the object of love, and then there's love. And the love requires an object, and the object requires the love. So they, these are complementary. They're like we call them, um, you know, well, Radha Krishna Pranay Vikuti Ladini Shakti Rasmad. So the, the, the Bhakti and Bhagwan, hmm? love and God, they're they have they're one. They're one in the different. At the same time, just like you and I could be one, hmm? I could say, "What's your name?" Kali. Kali mm-hmm. and I are one. Now, what does that mean? It means that it means we have the same ideas. We we agree with we 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 we. It means we, you and I have become we. You didn't disappear, and I didn't disappear, but two have become one. It's a dynamic, excuse me, kind of unity, if you will. Not a unity forged, if you can call it that, by doing away with everyone else. What kind of unity is that? Well, okay, <laughs> you're alone. There's nobody to argue with. That's okay, but there's nobody to love either. Hmm? There are schools of thought that, per, that, that, that would like us to think that the ultimate in, in transcendent experience is to be one, and there is no other. But hmm, without another, there's no love either. Hmm. So 
Gita talks about a kind of unity that's that's desired. I mean, we want unity. We sense that there must be a unity in ultimate reality. We we have differences between one another hmm, that are superficial. But as much as we want unity, we also want variety and diversity. Hmm? And love requires that. And diversity means movement, and love is moving, and so forth. So it's a very dynamic kind of idea of, of ultimate reality that's moving. Hmm? God is everywhere, so how can he move? And Krishna is God moving. And the power of that, fueling that, is bhakti, is love, hmm? making him dance. Krishna says that, Ami Shishugurunata, Radhikar Premyara Unmata. I am the disciple, and the love of Radha is my teacher. Hmm? I, I, I'm driving me mad. I'm learning from her how to dance. Hmm? Nietzsche said, If there was a God, he would be a dancer. Hmm? This is him. Hmm? And what's making him dance? That is bhakti. And what kind of bhakti? What kind of, it means, like I say, not in a formal way. That doesn't mean there are no rules that we might learn how to do that. There are some parameters. What, what constitutes love? That's philosophy. And what doesn't constitute the love? Hmm? You have one philosophy and then a variety of expressions of that. Hmm? And so the, the, the whole of the Gita is, 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 in a sense, theologically speaking, is, is depicted in this one picture of Krishna being the order carrier of Arjuna. Arjuna is telling him, turn left, turn right. It means that God becomes subordinate to bhakti itself. Hmm? It's better than idea than becoming God. If God becomes, like, like I said, you you, you love someone, they, they tell you all the secrets. There's nothing. There's nothing hiding here anymore. It's like, I'm yours. Hmm? And so God is doing the bidding of His uh, devotee. When that uh, fellow told Chaitanya, the reason I'm crying is because every time I hold the Gita, I can't read it. But I think of that picture that Krishna has become subordinate to his own devotee, and then I cry. Well, that is so extraordinary idea. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you, you have understood the Gita, and you've never read it. Huh? You have understood what this book is, is about, the, the fullest reach of the secrets of the Gita. It's a very beautiful idea. Now, this, is, this, this is, comes in the very first chapter. Arjuna says, take the charioteer. Take it over there. Hmm? If you understand the implications of it, as I'm explaining, it's very extraordinary. And where does he take it, of course? And this is the high end of the Gita. Then he immediately goes to the low end of the Gita, which is our entry point in one sense. Our entry point is the high end, theoretically. What I mean by that is, let's say you, you want to go to room 108 in the mall, store number 108. So you enter the mall, right? Well, it's a popular idea, probably, but you enter the mall... And then there's a map, <clears throat> and the map says, room 108 is here. So when you, when you enter the thing, the first thing you want to do is, where is room 108? So you look right on the map, where is one, what's the next thing you look at? You're located. Yes, so the room 108 is here, and you are here. Hmm? So the beginning of the teaching in the one says, is talk about what I've been talking about. This is very charming. It sounds, you know, I can't quite get it all, but it's interesting and charming. A very a different idea. A, an idea in which the Godhead is disarmed, so to speak, and made very, uh, to, to appear very friendly hmm? in comparison to some like foreign op- imposition and uh, ruler and lawmaker and, uh, and 
kind of maybe uptight or something uh, type of a um, characterization. Very different um, idea. Very so it's it's very uh, it, it cuts through much of the problems that people have with the idea of of, of religion without doing away with 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 the Godhead. Um, so. It's beautiful, it's charming, and now we've talked about Room 108, so speak. now we have to talk about where we are. Hmm? What is the next thing we have to talk about? How to get from where we are to, to there. Hmm? And then now that becomes a little more of a thorny issue. <laughs> you know, that becomes, because I said, love is in Room 108. Now, to get there, love is born out of sacrifice, so we have to... We have to be prepared to make the sacrifice that it requires to go there. So Krishna takes the chariot. Arjuna says, drive the chariot, let's see who's assembled here. And he brings the chariot up and he stops it right in front of the people that Arjuna is most attached to. Hmm? The, p- the persons in his life he's most attached to. And according to the setting, as it supports a metaphor uh, in a sense, that Krishna has to, those are par- part of the opposition, he has to kill them. These are his attachments. Arjun has an identity based on his attachments, like all of us do. You know, in other words, we have a sense of I that's informed by our sense of my. What is mine determines what I am. But what is yours? Nothing, really. Right? We don't own anything. Time informs us of that. If we were to, if we were to. You know, find out what time it was. We, we'd realize, oh, uh, uh, things are passing through my hands, and I can't keep them. Hmm? Not even this body, not even this psychology. Hmm? And so the I that's formed out of a false sense of my is as false as the idea that you own anything or anything really belongs to you. Hmm? Anything. And again, we're not things, so. So, Arjuna is brought to realize that you have a sense of identity, and this is that you have to slay this identity. It's false. Hmm? You think I am an American, I am a Democrat, I am a Hindu, I am a Catholic, I am an Indian, I am a man, I am a woman. Hmm? These are all identifications with matter, and if you if you source them out, you look carefully at them, you see they they all are derived from a sense of proprietorship, hmm? sense of mine. Hmm? Such a small word, M-Y, is such a big problem it creates. Hmm? An identity forms from that that's an, that's an illusion. And the security and the knowing and the loving that we seek will never be, we'll never, we'll never get it in that, based on that false sense of identity. If we're in the very least, it will be here today, and even if you could get it, it would be gone tomorrow. Hmm? So it's a teaching how to pursue what, what we want, but, but, but also how we're looking for it in the wrong place. Hmm? And we are invested in the wrong, looking at it in the wrong place, and we get a semblance of what we're looking for there. We get a semblance of security now that I've got my own house. I'm not paying rent anymore or whatever, you know, however you get it, whatever is your, your way. Or now I've got a, I'm in a relationship. I'm finally starting to feel whole. I think it's working pretty good. Um, you know, 
and those are things to work on. <laughs> but it's you know it's like a semblance of it. If it could just be tweaked a little bit better, you know, and then you go, well, it's, something's better than nothing. I guess I can live with that, you know, and trade off. You know, I've got some bad qualities too, and you know, okay, so let's not talk about those, or let's only talk about them when we have to. And then there's a lot, of, you know, we make a, you know, we, we basically kind of figure it out. Is this, is it, where is it, where's the turn where it's like, this isn't working anymore? Hmm? And where is it tolerable? And I call that love. Hmm? You know, and it's kind of love. It's a semblance of it. But, but it's not really the full measure of affection that we're looking for without any restriction. It's not the full measure of security that we're looking for, no matter how, you know, what we arrive at by acquisition, by bank balance, by wh- whatever it may be. Hmm. It's, it's only a semblance of that. But because with the semblance of that, we're kind of hanging on to the semblance of it. And here comes somebody like Swami, and he's just talking about this theory. It sounds good, but, you know, but I got something over here. Anyway, it's like kind of secure. It's kind of like feels good and affectionate. And, and, and Swami's saying those things are only a semblance. You have to let go of those things and then... There's prospect for actually getting the full experience that you're looking for. It sounds good, but you know, it's like, well, it's kind of invisible. It's you know, well, so we're you know, we're, this is our situation, <laughs> largely. <clears throat> but there's a way, of course, to work with our attachments in such a way that we can we can gradually turn them, hmm, even even into something that helps us to go in the right direction. It's possible with good guidance. Hmm? This is the power of bhakti as a path. Because, you see, love has great power. Love turns faults into ornaments. There's a saying, Mother named her blind son Lotus Eyes. It's an Indian saying. Lotus, Padmalochan. A blind son does not have beautiful eyes. But she was blind, you understand? By her affection for her son. So who's really seeing what? Everybody goes, what do you mean lotus eyed? Can't you see it? <laughs> so, so by affection, hmm, then ornament faults turn into ornaments. So by bhakti, there's a way to even take our attachments hmm, that are pr- problematic for us and giving us only a semblance of what we want and causing us to be attached to the semblance of it in such a way that we're unwilling to let go and whereby we could experience the whole, the full face of, of what we're looking for. But bhakti doesn't just tell us, okay, that's it, break up, you know, whatever, you know. Sell your house. And, uh, no, it, it teaches us how, artfully, hmm? and this is art of love, how to turn well, you know, a lemon into lemonade or something like that. To turn, to turn, and love has that power to turn faults into ornaments. Hmm? So, it, in this way, it's a very, um, um, also very um, powerful spiritual path. It, it, I mean, it, <laughs> there is no greater power than love. We could try to connect by by physical or mental, intellectual prowess with someone, but by affection, almost without trying, we connect in a way that we could we could never be um, disconnected, hmm? isn't it? So love is the way. That is the answer here. That's the teaching of the Gita, and this is what Krishna himself 
the Godhead in, in the Gita bows to. He says, I'm subordinate to love. Hmm? I touch Radha's feet, he says. That, that, and, 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 and this is the idea that we are, we are interested in, 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 uh, in our Chaitanya Vaishnav tradition. So these are a few words on the Gita. I've spoken at greater length in our earlier three settings here. I wanted to speak a little, a little more briefly this evening, but still a fair amount to digest. Are there any questions? Yes. Um, so I, I was here when you were here last summer. Oh, okay. And, um, I was just looking at my notes. <laughs> and he mentioned something about um, if we pay attention to the why question, the how becomes clear. Yeah. So this is part of my main practice is this why question, like why am I or what am I? Yeah. Um, and so I can see this working. Like how if you make that your practice, the how does just seem to mm-hmm. sort of unfold mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or sort of just open like a flower sort of like that. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about this a little bit, how that works or why that works? Well, the idea, you know, the idea is that what I meant by that is that why is a qualitative question. It's, a, it's, a, it's about quality, why and meaning and value. Hmm? How is not a quality question, it's a quantity question, right? So we have an animal side to us, if you will, right? And then we have another side to us. We are consciousness and we are kind of mixed up with matter. So we have senses draw upon us, like in the animal uh, kingdom and so forth. We have drives for how to eat, how to sleep how to mate, um, how to protect ourselves. This all pertains to the animal side of ourselves, which requires some protection because, you know, well, something could eat you. <laughs> um, uh, just like you will eat something else. Um, that, that's what we're in the middle of. So, and, and then, you know, how to eat, how to sleep, how to mate. And these questions are all questions that arise in, let's say, for example, in the, in the animal world. They all arise how to eat, how to sleep, how to mate, how to defend. And we find that the nature answers the questions. In other words, built into the body of the species is some system int- intuitive for p- protecting oneself. Every animal has some system of protection, knows what to eat, hmm? knows how to mate, hmm? how to sleep, and so forth. Now, we would should think that in human society, well, if the out, we ought to be out, but where they're big, they seem like huge questions for us, how to, how to, how to mate, wow, like how to eat, so, you know, how to protect yourself, you know, I don't know, nuclear bombs, you know, some people think, so that's a pretty, pretty confused idea. So why are these questions so difficult for human society, when they're so e- easily answered for the animal society, the answer is that the, that the, the how questions are answered in human society by nature. Hmm? But because a why question surfaces in human life, why means why am I? The consciousness in human form is coming more to the fore. Hmm? 
In the animal f- species of life, it's still more covered by karma. And it, it, when it comes to human life, it's, it's coming to the surface. It's feeling itself, and it's feeling there's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind. It doesn't know it's me that's the more. I'm the more. I'm consciousness. I'm not matter. We don't realize that, but that's what we're, we're feeling. I'm more. So we try to feel the more through matter. Hmm? And then we're, so we're trying to like get more out of matter. What can you get out of it? But how to sleep, how to eat, how to mate, that. And we end up not knowing, you know, not very successfully eating, sleeping, mating, or defending and causing problems for ourselves by doing them and so on. And so it's a very confused situation. What should be asked in human life is the question that consciousness asks that nature can't answer. Hmm? Matter cannot answer a spiritual question. Consciousness, the subjective experiential reality that we are constituted of, is asking about itself. Why am I? Because it's consciousness that gives meaning to matter and value and, and so on. Right? So, so consciousness is asking about itself. And why do I act this? What is the meaning, purpose, value, and so forth? Um, it needs to ask that question, not of nature, hmm? but of its source, so to speak. Gita, like this is, is a book that from the source, like a note from the like response to that. Human life is a why, an existential question. Why? And who will answer? Matter is not going to answer. Matter might push you, go over there. Don't ask me. You're asking in the wrong place. No wonder you're feeling uncomfortable. And, and, and constrained and so forth. So the, the question, you have to come to the conclusion that this is a question that transcends, that, 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 is, that is beyond my pay grade, in one sense. Why? The whole thing. It's beyond my pay grade in terms of I have a physical prowess, I have mental, intellectual prowess. None of them, in and of themselves, or the three combined, mental, physical, intellectual, which are all products of, of the material world, really, even mind can't answer the question. Hmm? So I have to look beyond them. I have to come to a transrational method for knowing. Hmm? And that's where we, like I said, like we fold our hands to how we can have perfect knowledge. If, if let, 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 the, let reality reveal itself. Let me be a lover. Let me, I mean, let me go in that way. Hmm? And the more we develop that, then answers... To, to how questions, the how questions be, you see, the why question is so burning. Hmm? If it really leads us, then eh, let me eat something and keep it. You know, you ever see a, a guy's really interested in something? Yeah, okay, you know, all right, you know. And so he's watching the show or something, and you know, whatever it is, he's, somebody's preoccupied with something, and then eating becomes less. And uh, then they, they, they stay up all night and so forth, and and. Something like that. This why question has such capacity to engage us hmm, that the how for human life is really very little. How to eat, how to sleep, how to make You can do it very simply. Hmm. And you don't have to... You can, you, can, you can eat, for example, without you know, causing much harm. Hmm. So, you know, vegetarian and, you know, and along these lines. And this, you go in that direction. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can. So the more the why question is pursued, the more it will be an- in the right place. The more it will be answered, and the less our animality will be calling on us, 
so to speak. So the how question just diminishes, diminishes, diminishes. And, and, um, and we find that, well, nature does answer it for human societies. And it's not the big issue that we think it is. We, we make it a big issue because we're not really asking the why question. Does that help? Yeah, something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Just come back to what your talk started with. You were saying that in, that in this theology, we have, we have. Is this a real theology that usually in theology God is, is, is topmost? But here you've got where God above God that is something else. Yeah. But we've reasoned about revelation in such a way as to as to come to the conclusion that that while most religious traditions would think that God is the most worshipable object, that God is a worshipable object. And is that, that is that is bhakti, is love of God. That means that means a wise love, of course. Yogic love. Hmm? Uh, love that distinguishes us from, from well, from matter because our connection with matter is one of being a taker. Do you understand me? We're exploiting. We think we are matter. And so matter is constantly in transformation. So I've got to preserve this material state that I call me, and in order to do that, I have to take from the environment. Do you understand? Hmm? So... If you want to love God, well, love doesn't involve, it's, it's about giving, it's not about taking. So I have to move away from that exploitation. To the extent that I do so, in a sensible way, I start to find myself, hmm, that, I'm a, that I have capacity to give. And so that's this what I mean by wise love, hmm? um, yogic love. And, and, and this kind of love we call bhakti, this, yes, yes, the Krishna. You know, in Hinduism, we have all types of gods and goddesses and so forth. Krishna represents the heart, you will, and he's romantic, as it turns to the heart. I mean, what else would it be? <laughs> you see, this is a very, this is a very a, a, a theistic tradition, a spiritual tradition that's very, very friendly to human, our human experience. It, it, it seeks to hone, really, really penetrate on what is the human experience, and, and it considers that that has to have something to do with what divinity is about, because human experience is is the divine in us, consciousness coming to the fore, and so to, so to speak. So by examining the human, it's not artificial in the world. We examine the human experience, and then we we, we draw conclusions about the absolute from that. Hmm? And so, and that you know, in conjunction with the sacred texts and so forth, given to us by realizers and and so on, and so. It's not. Uh, it's it's very interesting, but it's very different. Yeah, it turns the whole thing upside down in a sense. That um, that God becomes subordinate to love. Hmm? It's beautiful. Hmm? So we, we do bhakti for the sake of bhakti. Hmm? I mean, doesn't that doesn't everybody say that the giving is the receiving? So and we're saying it's not anything artificial here. You believe that already. Giving is the as we're saying. Bhakti for bhakti. Now we've just honed when we say bhakti. But we, if you understand that, perhaps we've honed what it means to give. Hmm? First, it is giving without expectation of return, and secondly, it's giving to a place that can take unlimitedly. Hmm? 
like in the body, what, what can take all the food is the stomach, and then it can send it everywhere else, like no other part can. The hand can't decide, well, I'll keep the food. I like, I like food too. What about me? No. It has to give it to the tongue. The tongue says, I like it. Let me keep it here. No. Swallow. Then, then, they'll, you know, then there'll be another day to eat, so to speak. So we have to find the center. We'll just start to give somehow or other. And then if we really give selflessly as best we can, the object of our giving will be honed naturally by the giving itself. We'll move to a more and more refined um, understanding of where to repose our love by starting to love and repose it somewhere. Hmm? Yes, this has that power. Love refines its, o- its own object hmm? in due course. So, in due course, it will, it will come to, to the center and then and there we find there we, that's where we that's where we find the idea the theological idea of Krishna, huh? So, so hmm. you say the Beatles were right. All you need is love. Yeah, they were. You know, there are things, many things that pass as love. That's the only problem with the, with the statement. All you need is love, but what is love? So that we, that's why we should we should use our head to soften our heart. We should think about hmm, enough to then pursue it. Why is that? You had a question? Yeah. Um, so, to develop this giving attitude, right? But um, when you start thinking about it, so I need to develop this giving attitude to acquire love for God, or isn't, isn't it still a little bit egotistical? And, uh, so, and how do you develop this pure giving attitude with no expectation of uh, receiving love in return. You try it. You try it. Uh, uh, As much as you have given anywhere, to whatever extent, without expectation of return, I think you will feel better for that. You'll feel more whole. Hmm? You'll feel above... You have risen to a new a new height. Hmm? Um, you know, like, let's say, for example, um, someone comes around with seconds and you really liked something. And, and this is just a simple, simple example. Hmm? Um, but you may have had an experience like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is the means to become become a lover. This is just a small example within our everyday life. Now, yogically, we're saying what we're we're trying to bring to the the equation here is that this giving selflessly can only be fully done when we find someone that can fully take. Hmm? That's what means Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam. That's what it means. We're trying to locate the center. So I could fully give, kind of, but if the, the center if was not, it wasn't, there wasn't a full taker, then I would not experience the fullness of that giving is the getting. Hmm? If I could fully give to where it could fully be taken, like I said before, if you can fully give to the stomach, then you can, your other parts of the body, the hands can be fully nourished. Hmm? 
if the hand says, well, I'll give, but I, you know, I'll give it to the ear for a change. Why not? You know, I'll give it to the nose. You know, there are other holes. You know, what about that? They have to be filled too. You know, so that you know, okay, well, you know, that's not going to work. So, so therefore, sometimes we give and we don't feel fully that the giving is the getting, because either there's a problem from our giving side in terms of motivation, or the the object is 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 so limited that it can hardly take. And so, therefore, you need these both things. You need both the, the unmotivated giving and you need the center that has fully the capacity to take. And that's what's being depicted when we depict Krishna in philosophy, in art, and so forth. A taker, complete taker. But the taker is beautiful because the taker takes like the stomach takes or the root of the tree takes and distributes everywhere in the way that no other part could. Hmm? So you see, God's the center, the taker, but really, God's the giver. Hmm? So, so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to explain it in a very simple way. That 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 uh, that you asked, how can you be, how can you do that? How can you of a, of a person very lovable, very attractive? People are like so in love with him that they're thinking like that they notice they're blinking, that they're experiencing Krishna. I mean, how many times have you blinked tonight? You weren't counting, right? Hmm? They noticed. How extraordinary what, what, the, what the object that they're looking at. These milkmaidens, gopis, they knew when they blinked and they cursed the, to describe this experience and they put it in poetry and it, what is Krishna like? This, this, you know, this center. Hmm? And you can actually kind of be charmed by that and think, yeah. and then you sing songs about Krishna, you offer your prepare food for Krishna, you do all the things that you do speaks about what Krishna speaks about and about loving Krishna. So we find let's like say let's say for example, let's say let's say you go and see a movie. Okay? And it's just like fantastic movie, right? So you come home and say, You gotta see this movie. You have just gotta see this movie. You start talking to your friends and they go, Well, you know, guys we're doing something else. No, you gotta see this movie. You just have to you go, it's just I can't even, you know, I explain it. It's it's just so Incredible, and the acting was great, and the plot. You got it. I'm ready to go see it again. Come on, let's go. So that person who has seen, I've seen, I've seen. Then we go. Well, okay, it must be important. I mean, it's like, and they, you start to become attracted to the very attraction hmm, that that person has for the object that they're describing, and you think this has got to be special. I mean, I'm in. I've, I, I've never seen like this before. This is incredible. You know, I. So you. <laughs> You, 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 this is the way how the guru kind of in Krishna Bhakti you know, comes into our life. He or she is animated by this in such a way that we can't quite see it, but we can see it in another sense, right? You cannot see God, but you might see love of God. Or there must be God if there's love of God. And it has symptoms. He can't stop talking about it. She can't stop chanting about it. Hmm? Um, preoccupied. And, 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 and the how. Swami, you've got to eat something now, you know. Oh, okay. You know, something like that. You, you see, there's a detachment from the animal drives and necessities. They've been subdued. They're, they're not issues. Um, and so, so, so you, 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 then you think, well, I'll invest myself here. What are you investing yourself in? You're investing yourself in an example of love of God. And where is God? Where there's love of God, that's where there's God. Hmm? There cannot be love of God 
without God. Hmm? So, so this is how we get involved. And then he may say, and, you know, you think of God like this, like this way and that way, and give examples. And then, and then there's also, you know, the, 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 um, the mystical kind of ritualistic uh, worship of, of, of the, the icon of Krishna that is very powerful and, and, and puts in a shape what you're talking about so that it's approachable. Like my Guru Maharaj used to say, the deity is a form that Krishna comes in that you can handle. Hmm? You're going like, well, you know, where is he? You know, everywhere. And, 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 of course, this is idea. We, we think, okay, God's everywhere, everything. So, okay, we, we, we make a shape like this and then we use that, and then we, we love that, and then we go to the, the beyond the formless, to the formless. No, it's not like that. Hmm? The form of Krishna means that, that which is formless becomes concentrated hmm? in a shape with specificity, which is required for loving. You understand? Specificity is required. In other words, the more you know about someone, the details, if they're lovable, the more you can love them. Uh, the, the less details, the more vague well, they can do something with it, but but loving it, that becomes difficult. So the loving aspect of the Absolute has specific, specificity, qualities, um, form, and so forth. And so there are different forms of the Absolute that, that, that constitute different um, aspects. The loving aspect, the heartbeat, of the absolute, that's Krishna. And on heart happens to be the most, you know, vital organ. It's more important than the mind, right? It'd be more important than the brain. We try to shut down the brain, hmm? so to speak, brain dead, bhakti, without thinking about it. You, know, you just do it. It's 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 it, because it you know you you've gotten there. Like you don't think how to love your kids. I think I want to love my kids. You know. But just without thinking, you, you love your you love your children. So to love God like that without thinking about it. Of course, first of all, you have to think. You say you have to believe. I said you have to think a little bit. You have to you, you be in touch with love of God. You're in touch with God. Hmm? And so so these are some concrete, if you will, forms. There's no form in which Krishna comes to us more, so to speak, than in the form of the Guru, in a form to advise us, explain to us locally, in a representational sense, hmm? like the ambassador, something like that. This is the sense in which the guru is one, all saying the same teaching, same philosophy. There's another sense in which every guru is different, because every guru as an individual devotee who is representing God is also loving God. Hmm? He's representing God in that sense, oh, he should be treated like, you know, with some regard, he's giving the knowledge of God. The other side is he the lover of God. So the inner, in time we will we will regard our guru as he's speaking, Krishna speaking to us, we, we, so to speak. And in time we see also, oh, and he he has a love for Krishna in a certain way, hmm? and I'll be drawn to that kind of love, also. So. So I don't know how how sacrifice and loving could could make you egotistical. I'm not sure how that works. That's what you asked. It seems seems to me it would work in the opposite way. That's my experience. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, we've had another nice discussion. I appreciate all your 
question, your, the level of your interest and so forth. It's very helpful to me to be in the company of people who are earnestly um, interested in such issues. It, 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 like I said, well, you know, there's no meaning to the teacher without students, so give my life some meaning. Thank you very much.